Welcome back. You're watching Stockwatch with me, Julieta Televi. And joining me this evening to take your questions are David Shapiro from Sassman Securities and hopefully down the line, Wayne McCurry from F&B Wealth and Investments. If you'd like to send questions to us, please SMS 41392. You can email stockwatch at bdtv.co.za or you can tweet us at businessdaytv using the hashtag stockwatch. Uh, David, good evening to you. Um, fresh from New York, mm -hmm. at least you have lights. Mm -hmm. You're probably one of the only viewers, um, uh, rather guests that we've had in the last few days. And <laughs> <laughs> a well-lit backdrop, but I suppose it is daytime in New York. Um, but uh, it's great that we're chatting to you in, in the States because you have the Fed uh, making a decision shortly. Um, mm. I mean, do you get the sense of this sword of Damocles hanging over everyone's head that the Fed is going to impose maximum pain or are New Yorkers just going about their business, um, spending up a storm, doing what they do? It, 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 it's interesting. I'm still trying to make up my mind about New York because I think we've gone, it's, it's, it's a city that's gone through three years of really tough times, two years of COVID. I mean, it was badly hit by that. And, and now you're getting, uh, you know, the Fed tightening as well, which is taking away consumption, pushing up interest rates. And, and you know, if you just look around, if I look out the window, you know, the buildings here that reach to the sky, literally over 100, um, you know, 100 stories. And in every one, there's somebody paying rent or, or, or a mortgage. So, you know, as rates go up, they feel the pain. So this is a yeah. city that does feel the rental pain. So it's, but I think everyone's concerned, and I don't think anything's going to – he's not going to give any hint of where the next uh, rise is going to be because he doesn't want the market to change course. He's quite happy with where things are at the moment. But isn't – I mean, isn't, the, he called it the sword of Damocles. You know, he's quite, he's quite happy to make us worry. But isn't the market asking for a, a dot plot or some sort of direction, or is this mm. just the market mm. being a pedantic – you know, toddler throwing its toys out, um, and it's actually not the right thing for him to do that. I, I, it, it, I talking to people here, I think the concern is that this can flip uh, the U.S. economy over, and the last thing you want to do is to go into a deep recession. Um, a I don't know what a mild recession is, you know, if it's a soft landing, but if it is a deeper recession or anything yes things can be hurt and and then you you know as i say you suck the oxygen out of people's lungs it's very difficult to get them back you know mm. to get it back in you can't just pump it back in and my concern is like in a city like new york which has been hurt heavily over the last three years it's just going to take it that much longer to to get back on its feet mm. oh okay um, I think Wayne is trying to enter the room, so I'm not going to uh, adjust the uh, computer <laughs> and talk to you at the same time. Um, but um, David, there was a question that came in earlier, and it's from a viewer. He sent two questions, actually, at the state of the nation and also China. So I'm going to start with the state of the nation. He says, I rarely hear your market watchers comment on the state of our nation, South Africa. David Shapiro is one of the few who speak out about problems in our country, such as corruption, crime, and load shedding. I find the views expressed to be unbalanced at times. For example, many say South African banks are a good buy, but rarely do they talk about corruption within the banking industry, the load shedding impact on growth, etc. Evil flourishes when good men do nothing. I suggest your market watchers present a more balanced view, as David does. It's an indictment on the CEOs of companies and other powerful people that they don't speak out enough about corruption, load shedding, and poor governance. Uh, mm, I'm not sure if I agree with this view that we don't, but um, 
Um, so I think that was more of a rant, to be honest. And then why are your most uh, of your market watchers so negative on China? It seems to me fine, though, since extreme pessimism presents opportunities, the outlook for Alibaba and Tencent. Okay, so maybe starting on the state of South Africa, um, you know, David, we, we have had a horrendous load shedding. Wayne, good evening to you. Nice to see you there. Um, it has been rather harrowing for everyone concerned. Uh, I mean, are we not fully appreciating the impact this is going to have on South African financial institutions mm. or just about mm. any company to, mm. for that matter? I, I think this latest round is, is concerning. I don't think it's reflected in the rand. I think the rand is still very much a dollar play. But I think it is worrying. You know, you can pick it up from the emotions of the people that you talk to in South Africa, where you have, you know, almost 12 hours of load shedding and 12 hours of electricity. You can't function properly. You know, we can because you've got an inverter and you've got a generator, but businesses can't function like that. And it just knocks them sideways. And that's what I'm concerned what this does to, to the emotion, to the confidence of people. Everything's driven by confidence. And that's what, that's what scares me about uh, how you manage an economy and how a load shedding of this degree can just take people's uh, who, who's going to invest in this kind of climate. No new company is going to come in a country that can't even provide power. That's my big concern. Yeah. Wayne, um, on that rather somber note, uh, do you agree? And do you think that is being accurately reflected in the share prices of most of SA Inc? Look, load shedding is not new. So it's been with us 15 years, so it's not, it's not as though people haven't just suddenly come to the realization, ooh, there's load shedding in South Africa. People haven't been investing in South Africa for many years for many reasons, one of them being load shedding. But David, once again, is right. This is a whole confidence thing. Why spend a lot of money building something when you don't know how much electricity you're going to get? You don't know when you're going to get the license. You don't know how long it's going to take to get the license. You don't know whether there'll be law and order or whether you'll live in an unruly place that, you know, where taxis go down the left-hand lane, only turn and then go right. You know, you just don't know. But we mustn't be too negative about all of this. Of course, we mustn't be too negative because our state president came home early to sort out the power issues. Mm. Well, <laughs> I'm not holding my breath for any sort of decision from his cabinet meeting. But then I am... Um, the cabinet meeting did come up with a statement, but you know it says the interventions happening. Uh, yeah. Mm. Um, okay, well, the, this viewer also wanted to discuss China, and he says he feels that uh, we don't have a particularly balanced view on China. I mean, he was saying, how about including many positives about China, like low inflation compared to the Western world, high savings rates among Chinese, and large focus on infrastructure? China will soon overtake USA, in my view, as the largest economy. So he feels that the negativity on China is overdone. Also wanted an outlook on Alibaba and Tencent. Um, David, going back to you, do you think, but, would you agree with that? But, I mean, uh, again, <clears throat> well, it's, again, you've got an authoritarian state. You don't know what they're going to do next. I mean, Alibaba and Tencent were global giants. Uh, you know, everybody wanted to own a share simply because they were benefiting from this massive growth and development that we are seeing in China. And overnight, they get slapped not only on their wrists, but in every part of their body. And now they, they're too scared to expand. You know, of course, the Chinese uh, consumer is, is, uh, is something that we have to uh, consider. And I think we still do that when we, uh, you know, when we look at China. But you don't know what's going to come next. 
you know, Mr. Xi can get up in front of his audience of clappers there and, and, and do something that's going to knock you sideways. So I think you're cautious there again of, of, of going in. That's what makes us negative. And their whole attitude towards COVID as well, just complete lockdown and locking down, you know, massive cities. Of course, that's going to have impact. The property side as well. So um, just, just be careful. You don't have to look for the bottom yet. You know, you don't, you, you don't have to bottom uh, dig yet. So um, just wait. Okay. Um, Wayne, are you a slight more of a China optimist at this point? Or do you think it's worth, I mean, you know, the, this year says that, that if, if the rest of the market is calling it wrong, the extreme pessimism presents opportunities. And he's absolutely right about that. Unless, yes. unless you have a state, as David has sketched, that will be sort of perpetually uh, interfering. Well, look, you've got a communist regime, so they will always interfere because it's their country. Yeah, and understand that. But, I mean, I think, Ali, I think uh, Alibaba and Tencent are good value now. What China's experienced is a very normal slowdown. The property sector's got overheated. A couple of things have happened. It's a very normal cyclical slowdown. China is still on, you know, long-term trend, going to be the biggest economy. It will probably grow its economy not nearly as much as quickly as what it has in the past, but will probably still be above average growth rates in China. So, yes, I actually think that maybe now is the time to start bottom fishing. But, you know, you've got to listen to David. Mm. You know, you're not forced to go by now. Wait, maybe wait for a little bit more time to elapse and maybe a little bit more bad news to come into the system before you go in there. Yeah. Okay. Um, Wayne, because we, you sort of missed out on our chat at the beginning of the show, we were talking about the Fed um, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, ready to unleash an interest rate hike on the market. We're not quite sure how big. Um, and David, yeah, you had tweeted earlier in the week that we've got this very scary situation with the RAND and the sort of negative feedback mm -hmm. loop where... Mm -hmm. You have the Fed hiking interest rates, say, 75 basis points, and then we have to sort of almost follow suit in order to create some sort of bulwark for our currency. But then um, South Africa's economy is not so strong that it can weather a hefty interest rate hike. And so then the economy uh, is further weakened, which would then weaken the RAND further, ultimately. And, and so, you know, this, you're in this kind of horrible cycle. Um, what do you think uh, is, is going to be the sort of course of action of the next... Well, we, wow. we're in this cycle. We're in a global interest rate hiking cycle on the back of 40-year high inflation. Under those circumstances, emerging markets have got to do at least the same, if not more. And you get emerging market currency weakness. And the emerging markets' economies suffer the most. But then when the, when the upturn happens and all of this is behind us, they benefit the most and can cut interest rates the most and the currency probably strengthens. So we're now going through a period of maybe it'll last another year of relatively weak rand. I mean, in South African terms, poor economic growth. But then, you know, the cycle will turn again. Inflation will fall back into acceptable levels. Interest rates will be cut. Commodity prices will go up. We'll benefit and the rand will actually strengthen. So this is a very, very normal cycle that what we're going through. And one thing that's been proven time and time again, both here and overseas, Inflation is enemy number one, and mm. that will kill inflation even if it means poor economic growth or the damage to the economy in the, in the shorter term, because sustained higher inflation is ultimately far worse than, than an economy, for, for the economy, than pushing it into a recession in the yeah. shorter term. Okay. 
I, I just, one, one of the reasons, sorry, that I came through with that is that, and Wayne wasn't here when I was talking about it, is that, you know, you've got, we've gone through two terrible years of COVID where, you know, global economies really battled because of the, we locked down the entire world ec economic system. And then you have another year of, of, uh, of inflation and trying to correct that. So my big concern was what the ultimate effects are on 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 some something like South Africa emerging markets. You know, it takes a long time to get back after you've uh, fallen so hard. Mm. You know, you don't get up and and just start running. And I'm concerned. I you know I, I measure the confidence factors, and that's what concerns me. People have to reestablish that confidence to get the economies going. And sometimes we can push it too far. And that's what I was worried about. You know, when you come here with your your pocket full of rands and suddenly they're gone overnight, you know, you say, hold on a sec, we're pretty poor, you know. I've got to work a lot harder to to make these trips now. <laughs> That's the problem. Wayne, uh, your screen is frozen, but uh, but you're still there with us. Um, what did you make yeah. of the results? Um, would you say City Lodge is a buy? Because the shares actually came off a little bit today. I actually think it is a buy. When you look at the results, I mean, they still made a loss. I mean, obviously, it's a significantly, significantly smaller loss, but Turnover doubled, and more importantly, their um, occupancy rate is still actually low. So they can, you know, this is a fixed cost business by and large. So you just get people in beds mm. and you actually make a lot of money. And as you correctly said just before the break, South Africa is bargain basement. If you are a, a, a U.S. citizen, this is bargain basement times yeah it's seriously cheap i mean just on the rand you know the rand pound hasn't changed much so this is truly dollar strength it's not rand collapsing mm. but even the pound it's cheap to come here and they're going into a very cold winter there with no gas and costs through the roof i think tourism is going to do extremely well now you can argue does city lodge benefit from tourism but i'm sure they will benefit and mm. i actually think it is a buy yeah uh, David, I mean, occupancy's doubled. So, okay, but, you know, take it from whence it came, the, the, the worst of COVID, so from 19% to 38%. If, I wonder if there was maybe a little bit of disappointment over that and a bit of maybe uncertainty that they're not going to get occupancies above, because 40% is sort of the ideal level for them and, and above that, um, which maybe is reflective in the share price today. Yeah. You see, City Lodge was always a businessman's hotel or a business person, I better be politically correct. And people used to travel during the week, and over the weekends it was always empty. And I think it's the opposite now, but I think that over the holiday season, South Africans are going to travel internally. I just think with Iran at these levels, it's, it's number one, you can't get visas because there's so, such long queues to get visas to go overseas. And secondly, I think the costs are, are prohibitive. I think with Iran at these levels, you have no idea for the average person to go and travel today. You know, everybody would say we're going to have a, a winter holiday in Europe or whatever it is. It's very, very difficult. And so I think people are going to travel. The people who are coming here, and this always, I, you know, I'm always interested when I see, you know, going backwards and forwards to America, it's always the hunters. They're all dressed in those <laughs> military kind of uniforms. <laughs> you know, those, those, those people that Biden's having a go at, they all come and they're carrying these cases which are obviously rifles or, or whatever. So it's still a very big and lucrative area in South Africa, going on safari and going to, I don't know what they do with their prey. 
I don't know whether they ship yeah. it back, but um, so, anyway, I mean, it is, it's, you're still getting tourists coming out. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I'm not sure about the big game hunting situation in Cape Town, for example, but, but that's on your, on your stop. And also, I suppose you have to consider the South African diaspora as a result of all this immigration, people coming back to visit their oh, families. Yeah. So hopefully that is going to be a boon um, to, to holiday travel. Okay, so, so Wayne believes City Lodge is cheap. Uh, David, you sound slightly more circumspect. Um, in this tricky environment... I'm not circumspect. I just think it's... I think it is cheap. I think they're going to have a very good okay. season. Okay. What, what, what I was trying to say is that, you know, it used to be a, a business yeah. person's okay. holiday. I mean, play, but that, it's changed. You know, people will go there on holiday. Yeah. Okay. Well, sorry for um, perhaps not quite understanding. Mm. Um, there was a question on uh, on gold, actually. Um, um, and the question being, um, in, you know, in, in this rather tricky and entirely uncertain world, um, is gold a play that could pay off? Wayne, it hasn't paid off at all um, no. for months. Uh, no. Why not? Um, I, I, I've given up trying to understand how gold works. But in theory, these should have been the best set of circumstances for gold to shine, literally. In the last 12 years, inflation at 40-year highs, interest rates going up, and the world's economy going into some sort of recession and throwing a wall. You know, you would think that this would be the safe haven. Gold should be going through the roof, and clearly it's not. I mean, is it simply because you, know, um, you can actually get a yield now? Um, you can actually get a yield in U.S. treasuries that you couldn't before, and so you'd rather have that. 2%. Two or three percent. I mean, that's not going to put off gold. You know what I mean? The co if if your cost is playing two percent or something or three percent, wherever the uh, I, I suppose the two years now, but four percent or whatever it is, that shouldn't really throw gold off. It even before that, it just has not performed. It's still trading below seventeen hundred at the moment. So it's it's very difficult to grasp and understand why people haven't come. And there's still an abundance of gold bulls around the world, but they just haven't got the same kind of following or haven't got the same kind of emotions going that they, they, they did during this period. So, mm. you know, yeah, you've got to be cautious of gold. I mean, you know, we're looking at, uh, uh, you can't see it now, but in, uh, we're looking at the chart. I mean, it spiked sort of in the first couple mm. of months of this year, and it's just been on a one-way ticket down since, mm. which is most mystifying. Um, okay. I see Bitcoins and all the other coins have also gone south as well. You know, they also haven't lived up to uh, the kind of expectations that we had. Is mm. Wayne there? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and there's, oh. there's someone else in the waiting room, which is all very perplexing. Um, there's a question that's come in on bonds, and he says, I've recently over-invested in South African long-term bond, long bonds and I'm benefiting from the high interest rates. But uh, looking forward to the huge capital gain when interest rates fall, is this a good strategy? Mm. David? Yes, if interest oh, rates fall. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. If yeah. interest rates fall. And I can't see the, the long bond rate. I mean, David and I have spoken about it often and it's mm -hmm. been our stock pick on more than one occasion for each of us. You're going to get a fantastic yield. You might get some capital gains. But, you know, the long bond rate's not going to 7% in the next year. Mm -hmm. So you're not going to make massive capital gains. You could make some. I mean, it could fall a percent, maybe a little bit more, 2% maybe. But, it, you know, it's not going back to 
you know what we, we you know the previous lows that we've seen in the in the sevens that was a very unique set of circumstances mm. you know you got to take average south african inflation 3% plus you know a good i don't know 5% for risk associated with it and you know that that's about the best you could do mm. but it's still a very good investment at this price i would think and and how long would you would you sort of stick with a strategy it's something that i've been wondering too i mean is it this is this sort of a a two year game where you you buy these long dated government bonds or rsa retail bonds um you know you've got you kind of get that interest for a couple of years and then when interest rates start coming down that's when you sort of exit the trade it's quite possible. But, well, yes. you locking, but you're locking this in for as long as you want to. You know, you, you're going to lock in a ten and a half percent yield for ten years if you want to. Mm. So you can play this game as long as you know, as long as you want to, as long as circumstances suit you. I still think that they're they're very attractive and they've held up remarkably well relative to to you know to other bond markets. Yeah. Okay. Um, while I bring up the next question, there is one on um, ArcelorMittal. Uh, sorry, sorry. There's one that I didn't get to, which came in a little bit earlier this evening on healthcare stocks. And he says, someone call a doctor. Good evening. Why are life and neck care bleeding so profusely of late? Are these stocks becoming incredibly cheap at these levels or is the market telling us something more concerning? Um, David, just sticking with you, uh, what, what, what is going on there? Yeah, that's... that's I, I don't know. I would have thought that uh, uh, people are coming back for elective surgery now. There's always people ill. You know, we well covered or certainly uh, there's a population in South Africa that pay their fees and, and you know, are entitled to go to these hospitals. So I'm not quite sure what the, you know, what the negative is, uh, what I am missing. Yes, some of them are exposed overseas and that might be the problem that's bringing them down. But I thought even on that side, you know, things had, uh, had settled down. So, it, and listen, medical, I mean, um, MediClinic are buying themselves out. Now, they're not doing that because they want to lose money. Mm. I know that they've got issues, but uh, if, if, if they're taking it off the market, there's a valid reason. They see some upside down the line. So, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm a bit perplexed why, why they should be, you know, under the kind of pressure that they are. Wayne, can you enlighten us? Or do you think there is, I mean, is, is it worries about the NHI? Or what, what do you think it is? Well, look, I mean, both these companies that David said aren't purely so. NHI, David and I don't have to worry about this in our lifetimes. <laughs> You know, this is this is just going to be talked about. It's, it's it's going to be talked about as much as solving the Eskom crisis, but actually nothing's going to happen on it. So we don't we don't have to worry about this, honestly, in the foreseeable investment future. But just on just on the companies, I actually concur with David. There's no reason why these things should be as cheap as what they are. Quite frankly, mm. I mean the share prices are down at COVID levels. Mm. I mean, and this was supposed yeah, to be the so, trade. I mean, for... but, but look, the, the share prices have been down at COVID levels and stayed there since COVID. But in the longer term, this, these things must be truly offering outstanding value, to be honest. Hmm. Uh, I'm sorry that we haven't been able to pull up a, a share graph of either um, life healthcare or net care. Um, and then just uh, maybe a quick question before we get to your stock picks. Um, it's on Ethos. Uh, and it says, bearing in mind that Ethos are not a deposit-taking institution and its cost of funding must be higher than the banks, if you want a private equity play, surely the banks are better. 
Hmm. <laughs> you better ask Wayne that one. <laughs> Wayne, can you help us private out equity, there? <laughs> private equity investments by the banks is, 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 is incredibly small in comparison to the, to the hmm. past. I mean, when I mean, all the banking legislation changed, they, they basically pulled out of, of private equity. So if you want private equity, you've got to go for an ethos or something like that. And, and your thoughts on ethos, mm. I mean, or, or EPE, capital partners, uh, what, uh, what, you know, what they're called. They, I suppose they've, they've taken a big uh, gamble uh, investment in Breit. Um, uh, I don't mm. know. What do you think, uh, David? It should be an area that's doing well. And you can see it by the fact that uh, you're not getting many IPOs on the JSE. And in every other country, this is where the private equity companies are making um, a lot of headway. You know, they're taking very young companies, building them up and then listing them. And, and you know, you've made a lot of money in, in, in um, private equity offshore. But I don't know whether we got those businesses. I don't know whether they're there. You know, uh, um, I haven't seen anything... That's, uh, there might be very small businesses that are being taken up, but it still remains a, a bit of an enigma. You know? mm. I, I, if I had to start a private equity company, I would just buy a lot of stocks that are listed on the JSE <laughs> at, at, uh, that have been around for a long time that are giving you really good value. You know, some of the, the CMHs or businesses like that, you know, um, I think that would be my private equity plan. So just build up big stakes in these small businesses. Yeah, well, I think that's what Brian Joffe tried to do, and it hasn't worked out for him either. Um, so I'm going to get to your stock picks this evening. Um, uh, Wayne, uh, what takes your fancy? I'm, I'm taking NVIDIA. I mean, the share has taken mm. an awful pounding. You know, it's down more than 50%. And there's too many chips around at the moment, let alone a chip shortage. They're actually going to start cutting production, et cetera, et cetera. But this is true long-term value. I mean, I think it's a tremendously good price where it is now. So, so there's my stock pick. Okay. Uh, and David, how about you? Well, I'm going to ride on the back of Wayne because I never had anything. Oh. I've been in Fed panic at the moment. <laughs> so, but uh, I, I think Wayne's 100% right. I'll endorse it because I think they were not because uh, of, of Biden's pressure, you know, to not to supply the Russians or not to supply the Chinese. And I think that will pass. I think it's very good value. And they, they, it's a superb business. But otherwise, I'm still worried about what the Fed's going to oh, say. And okay. I think we've got another hour to watch. You know? Yeah, okay. Well, that'll make for so riveting viewing later <laughs> this evening. <laughs> Giddy up. Um, David Wayne, thank you very much oh. for joining us this evening. David Shapiro is from Assessment Securities. Wayne McCurry is from F&B Wealth and Investments. And we'll be back with Stockwatch tomorrow night. Same time, same place. Have a good evening. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.